actually. But we're in a spring series that we're kicking off. And um, today I want to I look at doing some spring cleaning, if you like. The power of words spoken affects all of us. It affects the words, it affects the person who speaks the words, as well as those who the words are spoken over. And now I don't know about you, but sometimes our communication can achieve exactly what it intends, and sometimes unintended results can occur through miscommunication. Many of us know clear communication is just so important. And even after spending millions of dollars to sell products in other countries, giant US advertising companies still say the wrong things at the wrong times and miscommunicate. And I want to give you an example of that. The name Coca-Cola was first pronounced Kekukula. Kekukula, say that. Kekukula. In China, that's how it was said in China. Which meant this in one dialect. Bite the wax tadpole. And in another Chinese dialect, where they were trying to sell Kekukula, meant female horse stuffed with wax. Not kind of something if you're thinking about buying a fizzy drink that you'd be thinking, oh, I want to get a Kekukula. <laughs> Finally, Coca-Cola transliterated the name to, and only slightly, you'll notice the difference is only slight, Kekukule, using the characters which meant happiness in the mouth. A lot more attractive. If there are any Chinese in the room, I apologise for the way that I pronounced both of those things. But I was close. Isn't it interesting how a slight change, we can communicate something completely differently that either puts us off or draws us in. Interestingly, Pepsi had the same issue, particularly with China. They had a slogan. Pepsi's slogan was, come alive with the Pepsi generation. But in Chinese, that meant Pepsi brings your ancestors back to life. (laughs) Now, some of us might want to drink that, but some of us might be thinking, I don't want to go anywhere near that drink. I'm happy that they've moved on. You know, seeing how how important and significant the use of words can be to a billion-dollar industry that just makes flavoured sugared water, how much more should we watch what comes out of our mouth? How much more should we be aware of what comes out of our mouths and the impact that that has? I'm sure every one of us has heard that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, but names would never hurt me. Who's Who's heard that? How many know that that's just... Not true. It's rubbish. It's just not true. And not only is it one of the stupidest things I've ever heard, it's actually unbiblical. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Words will never hurt me. That's just false. And many of us in this room, most of us in this room, have been impacted by words. Because I know for me, in my life, I've been stung. Stung with really, seriously, with words that have been spoken to me or over my life. And I'm sure you're the same. The truth is, words can bruise our soul for years. Or the right spirited words can transform, can heal, can encourage, can uplift, can inspire, and can do so much more. The power of this little thing, our tongue, can have such an incredible power over our lives, those who speak it and those who receive and those who hear. Many of us would be aware that just recently we've, um, we've been aware of, I was going to say celebrated, I don't think the R-U-O-K day is a day of celebration, but it's a day of being aware. R-U-O-K 
is a, is a, is a day that nationally we're aware of to make sure that those people who are struggling in some area of their lives, that we, we go out of our way to go to people and, and ask the question, you okay? You doing all right? It started out for people struggling with depression and mental health, but it's gone far wider than that now. And a lot of those issues start with things that are spoken over people's lives that we receive, we believe, and we accept. So today, as we kind of kick off our spring series, if you like, I thought it would be good to do a bit of personal spring cleaning by looking at cleaning up our mouths. Hence... Who didn't brush their teeth this morning? I just, I'm looking for someone to help me out. Anyway, there's no one going to put their hand up for that, is there? <laughs> we knew that, David. <laughs> words, words, words. We're going to look at three things or three ways that words, words can impact. We're going to look at the words we say to others. We're going to look at the words we hear from others. And we're going to look at the words we say to ourselves. Now, many of you will have sat in church and you will have listened to messages like this before and you, you know we're going to spend some time in James because James talks a lot, the brother of Jesus talks a lot about the power of words. But I don't want you to switch off because as I was preparing, I felt like God's, God wanted to bring an emphasis that maybe you haven't heard before around the words that we use and the words that we hear. But our main text is out of the book of Proverbs. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to Proverbs chapter 18. I love the fact that we're starting with the book of wisdom. The book of wisdom. Not that other books in the Bible aren't wise, but Proverbs is referred to as the book of wisdom. I'm going to be reading from um, chapter 18 because the Bible emphasizes that words make a huge difference to our lives. And the writer of Proverbs says this, in Proverbs chapter 18, and if you're looking for the, if you're kind of new to the Bible and you maybe you've just got a Bible and you're just checking it out, if you look around about the middle, if you look around about the middle of your Bible, that's around about where Psalms and Proverbs is. So you should be able to find it if you think, sort of kind of go, boop, you're going to be pretty close. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19 from the New Living Translation. An offended friend, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Verse 21. The tongue can bring death or life. To those I'm sorry, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The man who finds a wife finds treasure. And he receives favour from the Lord. The poor plead for mercy. The rich answer with insults. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. You know, God's really strong here, isn't he? In verse 21, he says, there's death and life in the power of the tongue. So it's not semantics. It's not just like this. Not, ah, well, you, you know, I guess I've got to be careful. He's saying, no, 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 there is power, such power, that you can speak life or you can speak death from the power of the tongue, from the power of our mouths. Now think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you know your Bibles and you go back to the first book of the Bible, the way that God created everything was, everything was how? He spoke it into being. 
So he shows us from the very start of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, God created the world. What did he do? He spoke. He created life by speaking. It's not on, it won't be up on the screens, but we all know it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Then God said, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And he continued to speak words right throughout his creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. He says, He goes, oh, Let there be, let there be. And he gets to the really important part, us. And he says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And he speaks it out and he speaks it out. So if you want to know the power of the tongue, you know the power of words, just look at the scriptures. And right from day one, God shows us the power of words. Words can create, as God did, and words can crush. Words can heal and words can destroy. Words can build up and words can tear down. Words can give life. And words can take life away. The mouth has the power to bring life and death. You know, so many of the relationships that you're in right now, so many of the relationships that I'm in right now, are less than they could be because we've either been pierced with poison words or we've spoken poison words. And this morning what I would love us to do is to have hearts that are open enough to not think this is a great message for so-and-so, I won't point, but we do it. Oh, man, I so wish my mother-in-law was here to hear this word. (laughs) I'm going to get the copy. I'm going to get a copy of this. I'm going to send the link and just encourage you to... Can just for a minute, maybe afterwards do that, but just for a minute this morning, how about you and I commit to going, God, what do you want to say to me about this? Can we do that? Words that we don't even sometimes mean to make to come out a certain way come from our heart a certain way. Words like this. Did you really mean to do your hair that way? Why aren't you married yet? Why aren't you more like your brother? Oh, then they start to get even more harmful. I wish I'd never married you. You could never do that. You'll never amount to anything. You're weak. You're stupid. I'm so disappointed in you. I wish you turned your phone on silent. <laughs> I'm so sorry to the person. It's happened to me, so I'm not picking on you. It was just timely. It was... So please don't feel offended if I just offended you with my words. <laughs> Or there's words that we can speak out that are words that are life-giving. Like, I believe in you. You're amazing. I couldn't love you any more than I love you right now. I'm so proud of you. God has put something special in your life. You're amazing. You're doing a fantastic job. I'm so thankful that God's brought you into my life. I'd marry you all over again. David, do you want to say that to your wife once or twice? <laughs> the words we've heard and the words we've spoken have an impact on our lives. Sometimes we don't even realise it. I, I can say personally, in, in following on from, 
from Brett's great message, trying to be transparent and real, that life-giving words, words have helped me to be who I am today. I don't want to embarrass her, but my beautiful wife continues to speak life over my life. She continues to speak words of affirmation and encouragement. But even a look sometimes from my wife can be enough for me to know, keep going, that's it. And texts, the words that she writes. Can I tell, say to you, now listen to how I say this, my wife and I have good text. <laughs> for those who are listening, I said text. Husbands and wives, can I encourage you to have good text? Text one another with words of life. We'll be, we'll be out, I'll be out somewhere and I'll get a text message from Kaz sometimes and she says something, she uses terms like, I love you to the moon and back. Or there's a little thing we do, I love you like. So often we'll say, and those of you who don't like coffee will go, what? We'll say, I, I often say to Kaz, I love you like a latte. <laughs> she knows how much I love my coffee. So little fun things, but you know, in the middle of nowhere when, when we're working away and, and then that, that says to Kaz, wow, Mother's thinking about me. So words we say, words we write are so powerful, so important. And it's interesting that Jesus' brother James knew the incredible power of words. Now think about it. this is Jesus' brother. So he's grown up with Jesus from a, from, a, from, a, from a baby, if you like, right through to his ministry years and when he gave his life for all of us. So he probably spent more time with Jesus than anyone. And most of his writings in the book of James is around the power of words. You kind of think that Jesus right through was modelling and teaching about this. That if, one, if you were going to say, what's the major emphasis? If I was going to say the major emphasis of James's writing, and he touches on lots of things, but he really keeps coming back to the power of words, the power of the tongue. James chapter 4 and verse 11, James says this, the brother of Jesus says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. James 1.26 says, If you claim to be religious... Don't control, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. If you claim to be a Christian and you can't control what comes out of your mouth, then hang on a minute, what's going on in your world? What's going on in your heart? You're fooling yourself. All of chapter 3, James speaks about the issues of the weapon of words. So why is much of James's writing, why is much of the brother of Jesus' writings about words? Because of the pain that we give to others and the hurt that's inflicted on us and others and the encouragement that we can bring. It's interesting. I love this because this verse in James just, just captured me and grabbed me. In James chapter 3 and verse 9, James says, With the tongue we praise our, Father, our Lord and Father, and with the same tongue we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. He knows. He knows the way we operate. So we're going to look at what does it mean, the power of words. And I, I need someone to give me a hand with this. And actually, Josh, can you just come out and give me a bit of a hand? We're actually, This is not just here to remind you to brush your teeth every day. I want to use this as a bit of an illustration. So come on out, mate. He's going, oh no, what am I doing now? I need to make sure that it's all good. Yes, it is. So... This is, for those of you who don't know, this is um, uh, mouthwash. We're actually not going to refer to that too much. There's some toothpaste here. Now, we're not advertising a particular company, so we're not going to mention the company's name. Mm -hmm. Josh, do you just want to do me a favour? What I want you to do is take the toothpaste 
And I want you to just squirt out as much as you would put on your toothbrush. And I think we should have... Yeah, great. The guys in the camera. So just enough, yep, just on there would be great. Enough that you put on your toothbrush. All right. How many, how many would put more than that? Can you see it? No. How many would put less? Okay. How many don't, don't put anything? <laughs> yeah, that's for me. All right. Okay, so that's a day. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to squirt out... Um, how many times do you brush a day? So, sorry, I'm, I'm similar to the doctor, don't I? Now, how many times do you brush your teeth? Or your dentist? All right, so twice a day, seven days a week. So I want you to do another 13 of those. Just squirt them out. This will see whether he's a detailed person. Does he put them in an order? Or how's he going to do this? It's pretty good. I should have put a brush, bought a brush to make it easy. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Look at that. 14 little bits of toothpaste coming out of the toothpaste tube. Awesome. Well done. Excellent. All right. Very good. All right. So that's good. So that's 14 days toothpaste out on there. So now what I want you to do is I want you to take that toothpaste and I want you to put it back in the, in, in, into the... <laughs> How are you doing there, mate? <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Feel free to use the black one to wipe your hands. Just, just give him a hand, thank you. So what do we notice? It was really easy to, to squirt the toothpaste out. Some of you have seen this illustration before. Very easy to squirt the toothpaste out, but impossible to put it back in from where it came from. And I want us to remember that because that's like our words. When we speak them, as soon as they leave our lips, as soon as they leave our mouth, we cannot take them back. No matter how much we say, oh, I didn't mean to say that. That's not what I meant to say. Oh, I meant to say that another way. And the scriptures say, out of the, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you may, may have wanted to water it down a little bit, but what you've actually said has come from a place. Sorry is a good word to say, that, and that's something to come behind it all. And that's something we need to continue to say. No doubt about that. But with, that, with something like that, what we need to remember is it's a powerful illustration that once they come out, they're out there. Once we speak it, it goes out. American poet Carl Sandburg says this, Be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. I don't know about you, but there's, there's some things that have been said over my life over the years that, that, and I've forgiven the person, and but I still remember them. They still sit there. I haven't allowed them now. I won't allow them to, to, to continue to drive my life, but there was a season where they did. There was a season where they did. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. The writer of Proverbs can be pretty straightforward. The words we say over others... We just need to be careful. We're going to come back to that. Secondly, the words we hear from others. How do we receive those? What do we do with those? You know, there's been some gut-wrenching words that I've received over my life. I remember once um, the rejection that I felt when, when a friend told me I was being disloyal because I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. We were part, it was a church community. And we felt God was leading us 
to leave that church. And we'd been there 17 years and pastored there as an associate 17 years. And God was moving us on. And he was a really close friend. And his heart was grieving because we were friends. And he knew that it would look different. And so what he did was he started to talk about me being disloyal. And words that he spoke over me were coming out of his heart. But he hadn't filtered them. And it was painful. I've had others say to me, you don't care about me when I don't respond the way that others want me to respond. Or I don't pick up on their needs in that moment. And, and so it's, you don't care about me. And for those of you, those people who are close to me and know me well, is that I am so people-wired that if, if you know, you, I, could, I could present something to you and that would be fine, but if you rejected me, that would be so hurtful. And that's just the way I'm wired. It's not right or wrong, it just is. So I care about, so when people say that, that you don't care, it hurts me. I remember when Kaz was uh, feeling a call into missions and, and, and to looking at starting a mission organisation that she's now started and has been running 14 years called Go Beyond Our Borders and is doing incredible work right throughout the world with providing fresh water for people, um, taking people on, on awareness trips, um, looking after food and, and incredible things. But when she first started praying and felt God's call to, to the mission fields, some of our closest friends said to her that she would, no, she would be no good as a missions pastor because her heart is too soft. She's too soft-hearted. And Kaz started to question the call in her life because this person had spoken this out without thinking through. There's heartache in those words. Words can create a blur that sends our life tumbling out of control. And it can start with a small thing. You think, about, you think about the bushfires recently while we were away. We heard about the bushfires in Stanthorpe and, and the bushfires that happened um, on the coast. And I don't know if you know, but apparently the, the bushfires in Stanthorpe that, that you know, wiped out properties and, and it was really quite scary for a long period of time started with, with some uh, backpackers that had some ash from a fireplace that they didn't quite put out. Apparently, look, reading through the news articles, that's how it started. Just a small thing, a small flicker can start a bushfire. And the scriptures say that's just like the tongue. A small flicker can start a bushfire. And James teaches that harm and healing and pain and pleasure come from words. Proverbs 12.18 says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. God is saying to us right through the scriptures, check your heart and think before you speak. Cutting is an interesting word, cutting remarks. Because we have to remember that our enemy, our spiritual enemy, is referred to as the father of lies. The devil is referred to as the father of lies. See, he knows the power of words too. And that's why he just whispers. You remember a few weeks ago, I actually got Josh up again and I was talking about the, the power of words and the, how God whispers. God's got that beautiful whisper and the enemy shouts lies at us over and over again. He knows the power of words. And he lies to us continually. Physical wounds can heal, but emotional and spiritual wounds often take a long time to heal unless we realise what they are and we deal with them. When life is spoken over us, something happens in our spirit. I talked about the negativity. Let me share some of the positive things that have been spoken over my life that have done something to me. There's something about when my daughters, one of my daughters says to me, Dad, I'm really proud of you. Or I had this said to me recently and it brought me to tears. 
Dad, I hope I can find a husband like you. Now, you can think that, but when somebody says something like that, when your daughter says something like that to you, it does something in your spirit that is beyond, that's nice. It does something in your truth. And often we'll go, well, when will somebody say that to me? When, when will somebody say something nice to me? Can I encourage you? Be the doer. Be the doer of the word. When you think something of someone positive, why don't you just say it? Why don't you write it? Why don't you text it? Let's be a church that starts to be a church that speaks words of life and encouragement over one. That doesn't mean we can't have the hard conversations. I had a lovely conversation on, on Friday night with someone who was just sharing some thoughts and some concerns with me around some stuff and I was able to give some perspective and some background and, give, and, and she didn't realise some of the things about what's happening behind the scenes. You know, That's amazing. But it was great because we could have a conversation because she came and she spoke with, with a heart that was a heart of love but with some concerns. Well, that's beautiful. So I'm not saying just make it all lovey-dovey but I'm saying let's speak life over one another. There's such joy in words like that. You know, somebody would say, God spoke through you this morning. Or a mentor, somebody I'm mentoring saying, that was really helpful. Words of affirmation, encouragement from our church to our church, from our church into the world make a huge difference. And it starts with you. It doesn't start with the person next to you. It doesn't start with the board of elders. It doesn't start with the ministry team. It starts with you going, you know what? I'm going to be someone that speaks life. I'm making a commitment right now that I'm going to let God use me to speak life into the lives of those around me. And even when I come with a challenge, even when I come with a frustration, even when I come, I'm going to do that in a way that speaks life. Imagine us, imagine Humoringe being known as a church that speaks and lives as we're in passionate pursuit of Jesus in a way that brings life. In a way that brings life. Thirdly, finally, the third important power of our words way is the way that we speak over ourselves. And this is something that I felt like God said, you make sure you speak this clearly to people because there is an, it's important. There are people here this morning who have got to stop speaking the lies over their own life. I want us to look at the things we say about ourselves, particularly speaking the untruths over our own lives. We own things that we shouldn't own. We own things that God simply does not want us to own in our lives because of what we say. Let me, let me explain. Let me explain. I hear people saying, oh, you know, I've been struggling with my asthma. Who believes asthma is from God? Who believes any sickness is from God? None of us. Those of us who, who understand the scriptures would say, sickness is not from God. Now, I'm not saying asthma doesn't exist. What I'm saying is simply this. It is asthma and you are struggling with it, yes, but it's not yours. It's not yours to own. God doesn't say, this is your thing I'm giving you to own. Sickness is not from God, so we shouldn't own it. Yes, we need to deal with it. Yes, we need to be aware that sickness is around, but it's not from God. So our language is really important. My addiction. This is my addiction. No, it's not. No, it's not. You may struggle with that addiction, but it's not yours to own. Because as soon as we say it's mine, you've owned it. You put ownership on it. Now, this is not semantics. This is where we, we need to understand the scripture and the power of the word of God. God says, this is not from me. So he says, don't own it. He says, don't put your head in the sand and pretend it's not there. That's not what I'm saying. 
But I'm saying when we start to use language that says it's mine, we're bound by it because we've now owned it and we've now said this is mine and it's not. It's not yours to own. So I'm not saying to pretend that it's not there. I'm not saying to pretend that sickness or addiction isn't there. That's ridiculous. What I am saying is that sickness and addiction and sin is not from God, so we don't own it. <clears throat> this, this, God, there are people here who's God saying, I want you to have ears to hear. So for, when we claim it that it's mine, it's not, what we're doing is we're walking down a path where we're not living the way God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to speak ownership over something that's not ours to own. Let me give you an example. Now, this is not for everyone in terms of the outcomes. God deals with different situations differently. We've got a friend of ours, a very close friend of ours. Her name is Michelle. She was part of the church that we were part of back, at, back at, in Melbourne at Liquid. <clears throat> and prior to us knowing her, she was diagnosed with three different forms of aggressive cancer. Only a young lady. She was diagnosed in her early 30s. And, um, and so she went to the doctors and she, went, she started to go through all the processes and she was talking about, she was owning this thing. She was talking about it as being hers, my cancer, my this, my that, my that. And as she was reading the scriptures, God spoke really clearly to her and said, this is not yours to own. Yes, you have this and you need to go through the medication and you need to follow the doctors, but I want, there's some things you need to do biblically. And he says, I want you to speak your truth over this. And your truth and my truth is, this is not from me. So she just decided, she started to say, I'm going to change the way I refer to this. This is not my cancer. It's the cancer that I am with God that I am battling. But it's not mine. And she changed some other things and she changed some other ways. And, and her story, and everyone's story is different, but her story is she now, and she changed what she was eating and she changed some dietary things and she, she went through some chemo and did a whole lot of things. But her story in this day is she's completely healed. And her testimony is that part of that healing for her, part of the healing was to re-understand and to recognise the truth of what was coming out of her mouth and to stop speaking untruths and start to speak truths. And for some of us, we need to grab a hold of that same thing and turn it around. Don't own, God's saying to you, don't own what's not from me. Let me bring it back a little bit. I'm dumb. Why would you say I am dumb? Because that is, that's not a truth. What does God say? No, you're not. God says something different. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. If you've ever said, I'm dumb, hear this truth from God. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for... Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who would say Jesus is dumb? If we have the mind of Christ, you are not dumb. So do not say you're dumb. This is hopeless. I'm hopeless. God says, I praise you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God says, for we are not hopeless. We are God's masterpiece. We've been created as a new in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned long ago. You see, any time you say you're hopeless, any time you say you're hopeless, you're saying God is a liar. That's the truth. 
See, this is when the Bible becomes real for us. This is when the Bible's not just this nice book with nice ideas. The Bible becomes real when I say, I believe this is truth for me, so therefore I'm living it out. So I will not be and will not claim the things that the world says that I am when God says I'm something different. I'm going to stand in the truth of what it is. When, when we say there's no way forward, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And he goes on and says, then I'll call on you to pray. So stop it. God would say this morning, stop it. Stop speaking untruths over your life. Stop agreeing with the devil and start standing in the truth of who God says that you are. Speak God's truth. And if you hear someone else, just say, you know what, that's not true. If you hear someone else in your world, particularly in, in, in the circles around this community at Hume Ridge, saying something you know is unbiblical, is not true about them, just say, you know what, God says you're more than a conqueror. God says you're healed in Jesus' name. God says that he brings strength. God says when you're weak, he becomes your strength. And finally, when we talk about what we speak over ourselves, let's take Jesus as our perfect example. And what Jesus used to do was he would speak scripture. Think about the most difficult time, one of the most, the two most difficult times Jesus had. One was just before he was about to be crucified and the other one, was when the devil took him and challenged him and tempted him. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus continued to, to respond in every situation by doing what? Speaking God's word. He continued to say, it is written. It is written. Let's look at it. When the enemy was tempting Jesus, Jesus spoke the word of God out. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, Jesus said, the devil said, turn these stones into bread. Come on, you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written that man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was in a situation that was challenging and he went straight to the word of God and he said, it is written. This is what the word of God says. This is my circumstance, but this is what God says. And I'm not going to live in my circumstance. I'm not, I'm not going to allow my sorry. I'm not going to allow my circumstance to overbear me. I'm going to work, walk to the word of God and I'm going to say, this is truth. The devil says, if you're the son of God, throw you down. He took him up the highest point. God will heal you. If you're the son of God, throw you down. Jesus' response in verse 7, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. The devil showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he says to Jesus, all these things I'll give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus didn't do anything else but say, away with you, Satan, for it is written that you shall, have, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Church, this morning, I just feel like God wants to say, know, your, know my word. Speak it out. Speak it out with confidence. Speak it out with authority. Speak it out with truth. Live it out. Speak scripture. I am, when you're in a situation of, of struggle, I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ, my Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are not great ideas. These are the powerful words of God for you and me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. All things become new. I'm changed. I have the nature of Christ. When you're feeling condemned, you bring 
Brett said so beautifully, you bring those things to God. You bring the sins and things to God and you seek forgiveness and you repent and turn away and then we're able to say, there is no condemnation because I am in Christ Jesus. Churches, we're in passionate pursuit of Jesus. That's the vision and the direction. If we want to be passionate in pursuing Jesus, we need to speak Jesus' words over our lives and over the lives of others. I wonder how many of you send scriptures to one another, encouraging and affirming, building them up. As we do, as we're in this season of spring, let's do a spring clean of our, of our hearts and our mouths. Jesus spoke words of truth. He never exaggerated. He never exaggerated and he never minimized. He recognized the power of his words and he used them for the glory of God. And this morning, in this Spring Clean series, he's saying, would you use your words for the glory of God? It's time to be stop being flippant about our words and start to speak life. Let me speak some words over us as a church. You're a chosen generation called to do good things, to do great things in Jesus' name. You're a people that have been set apart for God. You're God's children. You're more than capable. God has a plan for you and for us. You're a people who've been chosen and gifted and called. You've been given the spirit of power over you. We are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. This is not us being proud. It's us speaking the word of truth. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We are filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So today, let's commit to a spring clean. Let's let God's truth wash through us wash through us and then come out of us. Let's stand. So this morning, I guess what I wanted to do, I felt I wanted to pray for each of us. And, and I'm not I'm saying, God, is this a time where you want people to, to personally respond in some way, shape or form? And as you know, we're really open to that. Sometimes we get people to raise their hands. Some people get, you get to come forward. Um, and, and I, do, I don't want to make any assumptions here, but my sense as I was preparing was that this is a word that each and every one of us needs to hear. And so I'm going to presume that every one of us wants to speak more, wants to align our mouths, if you like, with the heart of God. So I'm just going to presume that for all of us. And forgive me if I'm being presumptuous, but I want to pray for every one of us. And whether you're standing or whether you can't stand and you're seated at the moment because you can't stand, that's okay. I'm going to pray for every one of us that God, by his spirit, would lead our hearts, lead our minds and lead our mouths in such a way that this is not just a nice thought, but God brings transformation and revelation to every one of us. And we see fruit in our lives and the lives of those around us. And people see and experience God's love because of what comes out of our mouths. So Father, in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, I pray for every single one of us in this room right now, Lord God. 
Would you come by your Holy Spirit and would you breathe a freshness? With this spring season, we just want to come with a freshness and a newness. And we think about that, that passage, the old has passed away, all things will become new. And I pray a newness over all of us in this spring season that we might do a spring clean and that you might come and start with our hearts and clean our hearts. And then, and then with our minds, clean our minds. And with our mouths, Father God, could we be, be those who James speaks about that speaks life? I pray that we're a people who speak life over one another. Not exaggeration, not minimalizing, but just speaking life. And God, would you prompt us? Would you drop things into our hearts and drop things into our spirit that we are to speak over our own lives and over the lives of others? Fathers, we get up in the morning. This is the day the Lord has, has, has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And may we add to that and I will speak your truth over my life and over the lives of those around us. And so, Father, would you come in this moment, even as we, we worship in this last song, and would you breathe your Holy Spirit into our mouths, into our hearts, into our minds, that as we seek to be in passionate pursuit of you, the fruit of that would be a people who embrace you and speak the life that you want us to speak live the life you want us to live in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people said,